You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Well, good morning, everyone. Let me say it also. Happy Mother's Day to all our moms that are here this morning. Hope you're having a great day so far. And uh, we are continuing today in our sermon series talking about whisper, listening to the voice of the Spirit. In fact, this whole year, if you're new to us, has been about stepping forward, keeping in step with the Spirit. The Galatians passage we've always been talking about says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If we're going to keep in step with the Spirit, then the assumption is that you'll be able to hear the whispers of the Spirit. So we're talking about ways in which we believe that God still communicates, God still speaks to us. Um, and um, by the way, let me just also encourage you, if you've not downloaded the app yet, uh, you can follow the notes along in your Riverside message note, as well as take the notes on the cards that Dave just mentioned. Uh, Samuel, there's a passage in the Old Testament where God wanted to communicate to uh, one of the people, one of the, pro- one of the priests, and he said, uh, God was speaking and and uh, or he heard something, and he and he thought it was somebody else, and and uh, the person said, "No, you got to listen to what God says." So he said, "Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening." I love that line. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I wonder how many of us ever even think to say that. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. That's that speaks to the heart of wanting to hear what God wants to do through your life, and. Those who have ears to hear, let the Spirit uh, hear what the Spirit says to the churches is how the Scriptures end in Revelation. So we're convinced that God is wanting to speak. I'm not convinced, however, that we all want to listen, that we all want to hear. So I want to challenge us today to tune our ears to what the Spirit has to say. Having said that, I I got to confess, I'm skeptical of those who tell me that God said something to them, right? It's like, I want to say God speaks, but then I don't believe people who tell me that God speaks to them. I don't know what this is about me. I'm caught in the middle here. Um, Let me just explain that. Uh, My attitude is, you mean with all the things that God has to deal with in the world, right? Wars, famine, poverty, injustices, corruption, that God really cares which way you're going to go for lunch today? Does God really care about that parking space? Does really God talking to you about those trivial things? So maybe I got jaded years ago whenever uh, in a former place where I was ministering, uh, and this will date the time that this happened, there was a young lady in the church, attractive, 20-something old, And she came and said, you know what? I heard God tell me that I am going to be the next Amy Grant. This was when Amy Grant was at her peak. And I thought, really? Well, here's the thing. This lady couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. (laughs) She couldn't find a key if it was given to her on a key ring. She just doesn't know that she could. But she was convinced that God so... 
That's maybe why I'm a little bit skeptical about people who tell me, because a lot of times people who say those things are telling me something that they want to believe themselves, and they're projecting onto God their own imaginations, and it's usually about how God's going to make their life more prosperous, God's going to make their life more comfortable, God's going to give them this new opportunity. It's all about what God can do for them. I just want to say that I think when I hear the whispers of God speak, it's not about what God can do for me. It's what God asking me to do for God. It's about doing what God wants for my life, not getting me to whisper to God to get him to do what I want him to do for my life. And so when we talk about needing to hear the whispers of God, I believe that underneath lying at all, the presupposition is we hear the whispers of God when we're about doing what God wants us to do. I love one of my favorite quotes from C.S. Lewis. He says that God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. And we're going to talk about how God speaks through pain in a future message. but, But I still think that God does communicate. And honestly, the number one way that God communicates to us is in Scripture. Scripture. I hold my phone up, not through Facebook, through Scripture. God speaks to us. My digital Bible is on this. But, but, but I think that uh, anything you hear or you think you hear the Spirit says to you, if it doesn't jive with Scripture, it's not the Spirit of God. It's your own willingness or maybe even the enemy of your soul trying to talk to you into something that's wrong or bad for you. But I can look back on my life, and I probably think you can too, when you can see that there were times in life where God opened doors and closed doors for you, that the providence of God spoke to you, not audibly, but through the circumstances of life, God can communicate God's desire for us or God's will for our lives. Have you ever had those experiences when you think of big decisions or crossroads and you think, well, I'm glad I didn't make that decision. Maybe it was God that kept you from making that decision. So, We talk about this, and today we want to talk about, last week we talked about how God speaks to us through our desires, our passions, and our giftings, that how God wired you is sort of God's way of speaking to you about how you can best contribute with your life, and so I think God speaks through our natural wirings and those kinds of things also. But but I think God speaks to us, we want to talk about today, the doors that God opens and closes for us and speaks to us. Funny thing happened a few years ago. I uh, I was taking uh, courses and uh, staying in a hotel one time. And I went and I checked in and they gave me the card key to a room. Have you ever had this happen to you? And you go in and the key works and you open the door and the television's on. And there's luggage with clothes around it and the bed is disheveled, and there's a light and a shower going on in the bathroom. And I go to walk in the door, and it's like, whoops, <laughs> and close the door. I think you gave me a key to the wrong room here. So, so it was a door that was open, but I should not have walked through it, right? That's what we're talking about, doors. Sometimes they're open, you shouldn't walk through it. So that's the moral of that story. Sometimes doors are open doesn't mean you should walk through it just because the door is open. The other moral of that story is when you get a hotel room, latch the door behind you when you're in the room. So somebody like that can happen. But the idea here is that the Spirit speaks through circumstances that God places in our path. 
And today I want to talk about the Apostle Paul and how we see opportunities in his life where he could have gone one way or another way, but the doors and the circumstances led him to go in the direction that he went. So I want to talk about three types of doors this morning the Apostle Paul encountered in his mission to follow the Holy Spirit. And that right there in his mission to follow the Holy Spirit is key because God speaks to us when we're about his mission. Because honestly, you don't need the Holy Spirit to speak to you if you are not about doing what God wants you to do, right? I mean, you could easily live your daily life Get up in the morning, eat your breakfast, go to work, get dressed, go to school, do whatever you do, go home at night, and never need to hear the Spirit whispering to you because, frankly, you don't really care to hear what the Spirit wants to say to you because your life is doing just fine, thank you very much. So if you don't care to hear the Spirit of God or why you need to hear the Spirit of God, if you're listening to this on podcast right now, you can just tune the channel to something else because you don't need to hear this. But if you're concerned about why I should hear the Spirit of God or what the Spirit of God is wanting to do through my life, maybe you should pay attention to this. And those of you that are here, you're trapped. You have to listen to it now. So, yes, You will hear the Spirit whispering to you when you're looking for opportunities for the Spirit to use you. It's all about what can God do through you if you listen to the Spirit of God. And that's the mindset that we have when hearing the Spirit. Because many many people's faith is only about getting God to listen to their whispers. Their faith is about getting God to do things for them. How, God, how we can use God to get us more prosperity, how we can use God to get us more comfort, how we can use God to get us more peace and ease. That isn't really what I'm talking about when why we need to hear the Spirit of God. So, Paul, one of the apostles, not one of the original 12, but one, two, one God converted, arrested on the road to Damascus and turned into an apostle. The word apostle means one who is sent. And so it's all about being sent on a mission from God and saying, God, what do you want me to do while I'm on this mission? Your life is a mission from God. Your calling, your your coming to God is a a decision to be put on a pathway that says, Jesus, what do you want me to do with my life? Jesus, how would you handle this? Jesus, how can I help advance your purposes on earth? So all of us, in, in, in a generic sense, are apostles of God, sent by God on a mission so that our lives are living purposeful and meaningful. And so let's take a look at the book of Acts. We're going to look at three examples of where doors were placed in Paul's path, and each one of them represents something different. And uh, the first door that we're going to look at First two are actually in Acts chapter 16. So if you have your scripture, you're welcome to turn there, Acts chapter 16. And uh, Paul then is just starting out on his second missionary journey. Paul went on three missionary tours after he came to this relationship with Jesus. He, was, he started out persecuting people who were believers, and then he became the greatest messenger of the message of, of the resurrection. And so second time out into the Greek Greek and Roman world to share Christ with the Greek-speaking people. That's who the message, that's the mission that God had called Paul to do. 
he and Silas are heading out. The first time it was he and Barnabas and others. And then the second time Barnabas went his direction and Paul went another direction. And Paul brought Silas and others along with him. So here it is, Acts chapter 16. The first door is the door to Bithynia. The door to Bithynia. And I'll explain why, well, you'll see what that's about. Follow me, I know you you will be lost in this, but just follow along as I read it. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So notice, they're going through these regions because God wouldn't let them go into the other region. All right? So obviously, they're on a path. Somehow the Spirit kept them from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. They tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to do. How the Spirit didn't allow them, what the Spirit used to keep them from going into Asia, not going into Bithynia. We don't really know the answer to that question. I mean, it could have been simply that they didn't have a translator to be able to translate into the language of the region. Maybe there wasn't a synagogue there that would welcome them to come and stay and preach. Maybe they, they had a vision from God or a prophetic message that told them and warned them to go. We don't really know. All we know is that somehow the circumstances or the spirit kept them from going into those areas and they just took that as a door was closed for them. But notice, they weren't just sitting around and saying, okay, God, where do you want me to go today? They were in the process of going when the Spirit closed the door. The assumption is they were strategizing on how can we get the message out? How can we share God's love? How can we present Christ's resurrection? How can we, who can we go to? Where, where, so they're on the road, they're on the way looking for the open doors and that's when the spirit can close doors and speaks and open doors because frankly, if you're sitting on your couch, there are no doors to open or close because you're not going anywhere. So we gotta be about the plan of God, gotta be having a mindset of God, where are you sending me this day? What do you wanna do through me this day? So they're all about God's agenda, not about their personal agenda, and they were flexible and open to God's direction. So they were kept by the spirit of preaching in Asia, the spirit wouldn't allow them to go to Bithynia, and and we don't really know why. But, but here's something that's important to understand. There are three parts to this that I think we need to recognize. One is they were on God's path, right? So they were on the journey, they were on a path. They were about God's purposes. On this journey, they wanted to do what God wanted them to do. So if we're on God's path, if we're saying, Jesus, you know, what would Jesus do if he were in my shoes? What would Jesus want me to do? And I'm about God's purposes, which is helping people find the grace and mercy of God and take God's grace and mercy and justice to a world of injustices and help advance God's justice in the unjust world. So about freeing the prisoners and the captives and open-blinded eyes and doing all of that. So what stopped them, again, I don't know exactly what stopped them, but we know that somehow the door closed, and this is the point for the door to Bithynia. Sometimes doors seem to be open, should be closed. 
Sometimes we think that this is an open door and God closes the door. That could be the hand of God, the providence of God. Maybe you thought that's a good opportunity, but God might say there's a better opportunity for you. You've heard the saying, sometimes God closes a door, he opens a window. As I said last week, just make sure that window isn't on the 11th floor. So you be careful before you go through it. The, the fact of the matter is, God can close doors and open doors. But without the Spirit's guidance, they would have gone in a direction that would not have been profitable. We can look back on our lives. I'm sure you can look back on lives when sometimes God closed the door. Maybe you didn't get the promotion. Maybe you didn't get that person. Maybe you got rejected. And, and I can you know, remember when we were thinking it was time to move on to a different place of ministry. We're being, feeling like God's calling us elsewhere. And I, I considered going into foreign missions. At that time, I thought, well, I don't want to just take an existing church. I'd rather do something new, do something, plant a church. So we were looking, doing what back then was called home missions. Now it's called church planting. And uh, there was a new church in Kissimmee, Florida that invited us to come and interview there. Now, Kissimmee, Florida. I'm a young father with two young girls. Kissimmee, Florida. That's an open door, right? I mean, who wouldn't want to go to Kissimmee, Florida when you have two young girls and we could live in the land of Disney? Isn't that nirvana, right? I mean, we could do that. So we go and we visit and we come back, had a good weekend, meet the leadership, speak, uh, and uh, they didn't want me. I mean, can you believe that? <laughs> they didn't want me. You know, somebody better than me out there? God forbid. But so they, so they did. They, 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 they accepted somebody else, and, and that door closed. Now, we can whine and moan about that, or we can say, okay, God closed the door. He's going to open another door. And that's when the door opened for us to come and plant the church in Penn Hills that now has become Riverside. So I'm thankful for closed doors. That's not, don't do it. I'm thankful for that closed door because I don't think our life would nearly have been as fulfilling there as it has been here. And I don't know if our ministry would have been fulfilling there as it was here. That church kind of came out of a church split. I've heard that they've had all kinds of troubles over the years. So too bad for them, but good for me. Um, but, but there was a closed door. The point is, we thought it looked like an open door. God closes the door. What do you do? Shake the dust off your feet and move on, right? And how many times in your life did you face something you thought was going to be a good opportunity, but the door slams in your face? And you don't know what would have happened had that opportunity opened, but what are you, gonna, you just got to shake the dust off your feet and look for the open door, right? And move on. And so that's the door to Bithynia. The next door here, and it comes right after that text, is uh, the door to Macedonia. And it goes on and it says, so they passed by Mysia, went down to Troas, and during the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come, come to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. Notice, after Paul we got ready and we went to Macedonia, concluding 
that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. What, what was this vision? Was it a dream? Maybe it was a vivid dream that he had. I don't know, a literal vision. I've never had a vision. I've had some pretty, pretty graphic dreams. But somehow Paul sensed that <clears throat> there was somebody in Macedonia and they needed the message. Come help us. Notice their response to this call for help was, let's go do it. Let's jump in because we can help. And that's when you hear the Spirit of God speaking to you. It's when there's an opportunity to do something to fulfill God's purposes, to bless somebody, to help somebody, to care for somebody. You drive down the road, you see the guy with the, uh, the flat tire, and you hear, maybe you should stop. Is that the Spirit of God? Yeah, probably it is, but we keep on going because somebody else will hear the Spirit of God if I don't. And maybe that's just a simple example, but you got to do that. You got What's the Spirit saying to me? Because there's a need that needs to be met, and maybe God is asking me to be the one to meet that need. That's the call of God in their life. It wasn't, well, you go to Macedonia and you're going to get a nice salary and they're going to give you a big raise and you're going to get a big house and you're going to live comfortably ever after. That was not the call to Macedonia. So what do they do? They all jive with that. They all say, yeah, we believe that. So it's now the community going together. They're partnering together. The, 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 the group of people that are traveling with Paul, they get there, they go to Macedonia and Philippi is the first town they go to in Macedonia. And so there they are in Philippi. It's a walled city but they don't know what to do. They don't know anybody there. What do they do? It says they are outside the city walls by the river where the women would gather. Why are the women gathering at the river? To get water for the day, to wash, whatever, doing the stuff that, you know, the, 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 the typical woman's job in those days. And I'm not saying that's how it always be, but that's, what was, that's how it was. So, so they, what do they do? They just start praying there on the Lord's day. They're having church by the river with people who are there who don't know them. One of the people that hears them is a woman named Lydia, a businesswoman, Philippi. She hears they're praying, hears what they're doing, inquires about it. They tell her the story. She becomes a believer. She opens her heart to Jesus and she opens her home to them. She invites them into the city where they stay. And Paul has incredibly fruitful ministry in Philippi. We see later on the letter to the Philippians that Paul writes is the most joy-filled, heartfelt letter in all of Paul's writings. And it all began because they listened to a vision and said, come to Macedonia, we need your help. And a woman they met there helped them to establish the kingdom of God in the province of Macedonia. So that's how God works. That was an open door. The point of Macedonia is some doors that seem to be open should be open and we should walk through them. So there's some doors that seem to be open that should be closed. Some doors that seem to be open that should be open. The difference is they were at this intersection of God's path, God's purposes. They heard the voice of the Spirit and they walked through the open door and they got there. And it was a community thing. In fact, Paul's vision, the language goes from him to us. 
They all bought into that. Years ago, this church was meeting up in Penn Hills. It had been going for five years. Didn't have our own facilities. Bar sharing church with a Lutheran congregation up there. Teresa and I have been looking for places where we could buy land or buildings that weren't being used and maybe we can move our church into that, whether it be a retail or an existing church, we didn't know. All of a sudden, we drive down here through Oakmont and this building is sitting empty with a for sale sign on it. I heard the Spirit speak to me. <laughs> but I had to sell that to the people that were attending the church in Penn Hills. And to be honest with you, of the five board members I had, three of them said no. What am I going to do? Let's come and visit it. Let's see it. Let's look at it. Three out of five. And they are the ones that make the decisions. Well, let's ask the congregation. Well, usually in a vote like that, you got to get at least two-thirds of the people to vote, to say yes. We'll take the step of faith. We'll borrow money. We'll invest money. We'll buy the place. We'll move from where we thought the church was supposed to be to Oakmont. The three out of the five said, well, if we're going to do this, we really got to know it's from God because we don't believe you, Pastor Bill. <laughs> they didn't say that, but that's what I heard. <laughs> and uh, they said, we got to have 80% vote if we're going to do it. Well, and you know, there's a voting congregation of maybe 40 people, 30 people. It doesn't take very many. And when three out of the five leaders of a church say they don't want it, what are the odds of that? The day that we were taking the vote, one of those three changed from a yes, from a no to a yes. We got it by one vote. And we were able to buy this. The Presbyterian sold it to us and the rest of the story is here. The fact of the matter is, it was an open door. We had to walk through that open door and it became a congregational decision to do that. And we all walked through that door. We can look back and see how some doors are open that should be closed. Some doors look like they're open and they need to be walked through. The last door I wanna talk about in Paul's story is found in Acts chapter 20. This is the door to Jerusalem. Very interesting, different than the other doors. <clears throat> Acts chapter 20, Paul now is on his third missionary journey, his final one to the Greek world. And he's just on a path following Jesus, listening to the Spirit, where he leads him. Acts 20 verse 22 says, and Paul speaking says, and now compelled or bound by the Spirit I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are following me. I, I, let me just pause there for a second. Again, it gets to the idea that God's sense is not always common sense. God will sometimes send us places that are going to be harder for us, believe it or not. God's will isn't always the easy road. In fact, 
I would dare say it's rarely the easy road. And yet when we're praying for direction, we're always looking for the easy way out, right? So anyhow, let's get back. However, Paul says, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. And what was that task? The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. He was all about telling people about God's love and mercy, not just to the Jewish people, but to the Greek-speaking world, to the Romans, to the Bithynians, to the Macedonians, to whomever he could go to. And he's going, he's telling this to the people, the church in Ephesus, where he was dearly loved and he dearly loved people. And if you read that story in Acts chapter 20 about Paul and his meeting with the elders there by the shore when he's leaving, it is the most difficult goodbye that you can ever think about because Paul easily could have settled there in Ephesus and be comfortable and be well-loved by those people. They wanted him. He loved them. It would have been easy street. But Paul's saying, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go. And he's weeping with tears, knowing that this is their last goodbye. Have you ever had a last goodbye with somebody? It's difficult. Maybe somebody who you know, a friend, a dear loved one who maybe has a terminal disease and they live far away and you know this is the last time you're going to see them. Well, that's how Paul was feeling and, and having to say goodbye to that. He says, I got to go to Jerusalem and I don't know what's going to happen to me there. All I know is everywhere God sends me, it's not easy. And you see, a lot of people think that hearing the voice of the Spirit is going to be this thing that God tells them what's around the bend that's going to happen to them as if when we hear the spirit of God it's like talking to the fortune teller and and you know a lot of people are planners and plotters and they you know they got to have they can't go on vacation until everything is set out for them they know what they're going to be doing every minute of every day for that week that they're going to be on vacation and you know they just couldn't imagine going out not knowing what's around the next bend. But that's where Paul was. Turn over to the next chapter, Acts chapter 21. Paul leaves Ephesus, he gets down to Caesarea, and there he stays for a little bit. And it says there, after we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. <clears throat> Coming over to us, <clears throat> he took Paul's belt and he tied it around his own hands and his own feet, kind of to make a point. And he said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. And Luke, who's writing this, says, when we heard this, we and all the people pleaded with Paul, don't go there. Paul, don't go up to Jerusalem. And Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready to go. I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done.
Jesus in Gethsemane said, God, if there's any way you can take this from me, please, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. When you know that your life has deep purpose and meaning and and you're willing to sacrifice to fulfill that, you're willing to suffer for Christ. You're willing to do with less in this life because you know that your investment is far more valuable to God's purposes. Less of me, more of Jesus, more of God. And so... If you put Paul's decision on a piece of paper, you drew a line and you say, why I should go to Jerusalem, why I shouldn't go to Jerusalem, the list of why he should not go is going to be far longer than the list of why he should go to Jerusalem. Because on the pro side, it's because the Holy Spirit is calling me to go there and I have a mission to fulfill. And that's trumping all the other reasons why I shouldn't go. And so... He went, and you know the story, he got arrested there, was thrown into jail, he appealed to Caesar, ended up going to Rome, and the rest of the story is in Acts. By the way, we're going to take you through Acts over the summer. We're going to take a walk through the book of Acts in our summer series. So here's the thing. Paul refused to settle. Comfort and security were not his life goal. He could not be dissuaded. He was at the intersection of following God's path, fulfilling God's purpose, and hearing the voice of God, and he moved forward. And he did that against everybody else's counsel. And so here's the point of the the door to Jerusalem. Some doors that seem to be closed need to be kicked open. When you know that you know that you know this is God's desire for you, when your whole family says you're an idiot for doing that, when they say that you should never go to church, when they tell you you should never support, never give your money, don't tithe, who would ever do that? What a stupid thing. You mean that, I, that you can invite people to come to your church? Who does those things? You mean you're gonna quit living a life that's self-destructive? Why? You're gonna miss out on all the fun. When you hear the people in your world telling you all the reasons why you shouldn't do the things of God, you need to kick those doors down and say, I'm gonna follow Jesus because God is number one in my life and I'm gonna be the best at that. And so you need to kick those doors down. So what are the metrics to discern the Spirit's whispers? You've heard me say it over and over. Are you on the path of following Jesus? Saying, what would Jesus do? What does he want me to do? Are you about the purposes of Jesus? How can I contribute to helping spread the goodness and the grace and mercy of God by word or deed, to combat injustice, to step forward, to tell people of the love of God so God might transform their lives? And are you listening to the voice of the Spirit? I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're going to wrap up here in just a minute. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you've heard it before. Probably it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean or depend on your own understanding. In all your ways, seek his will in all that you do, and he'll show you which way to go. That is a great memory verse for you to hang on to as we talk about hearing the whispers of God. But let me just ask you, 
What would your life be like if you woke up every morning and said, Jesus, I want you to point me somewhere today where I can do something good for you. I had lunch last Thursday once a month during the school months, school year months. We do a thing called Lunch Bunch and just people who are free in the afternoon get together at noon and we just bring a bag lunch and sit around the table and talk with one another, encourage one another. Lynn also, one of the people at the lunch the other day, we were talking about it. And she said, you know what? Every morning I wake up and I pray this prayer. I say, Lord, I thank you for today. I commit this day to you. And I ask you that in some way, can I do something for you today in this day? Can I do something kind to somebody? Can I share a good word to somebody? God, open the doors for me today. I'm listening to you today. Open doors for me to be used of you today. What would your life be like if you prayed that prayer every day? How many people would be blessed because of you if you had that mindset? How many personal neuroses can you get over if you get over yourself and think about other people and how you can be a blessing rather than how the world can bless you? Right? Right? Isn't that what we deal with? I mean, I think a lot of our neuroses is all about ourselves because we are looking, we're, we're just inwardly looking instead of outwardly looking. And if we're about, God, you know, my life isn't perfect, but neither was Jesus's. God, it might be hard, but the hard way is sometimes the best way. And I'm willing to say, if you could get up every day, what would your life be like? How many people could you bless? And how much more blessed would you be if that was the kind of life that you led? Well, what if we all live like that? Think about it. What if we all, everybody in this room, could wake up every day saying, Jesus, thank you for this day that I have to live. I commit myself to you this day. God, open doors for me today. I want to be a blessing to somebody today to extend your purposes in the world and make the world a better place in Jesus' name. What if we all did that? Can you imagine how much better our communities would be, our workplaces would be, our city would be? What if everybody did that? What if the whole world lived that way? What a wonderful world it would be if we did that. But that's the kingdom of God. That's the rule and reign of Jesus. That's, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. That's, Lord, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're all about. Are you about that? Is that what you're about? Would you bow your heads with me? I want to pray. Lord, I pray for myself and everyone in this room and anybody that's listening to my voice right now that we would be the people that have open ears and willing hearts to hear what your spirit is saying to us today in our generation, in our personal worlds, that we might hear the voice of the spirit speaking to us in small ways and maybe even in some great ways so that when we get to the end of our life, we can look back and say, yes, I, I can see why. Why God opened those doors and closed those doors. And I'm so glad I knocked those doors over 
because I did the right thing in spite of what everybody was saying to me. God, we want to be those people. I pray for anyone here today that maybe they're not on the path of following Jesus. And, and today might be a day for them to say, Jesus, I, I, I forgive me for living a life that's so self-centered. It's all about gratifying my own needs and desires and wishes. Forgive me, God, for the sinful choices I've made and things I've done. I, I, I want to live for something bigger than myself, and I need you, Jesus, to come into my life. I need your spirit to fill me and lead me so that I can be that person. Help me, Jesus, to get back on your path, and I want to be about your purposes. I hear the Spirit speaking to me and calling to me right now, and I just want to step forward in faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.